When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Steve N. Allen is here. He's comedian and former chemist. In a few moments, we're going to talk to Health Minister Edward Argar. Lots of questions to put to him. Um, Steve Allen, I'm talking once again about this public health report and also this concern about uh, the quarantine plan. It, it, it does seem that you know, we are, lots of people still feel we are still sort of in the middle of this pandemic, although next week, by next week, we believe there won't be any excess deaths at all. And some feeling people feeling uh, that, you know, we, we should be getting out of lockdown very, very soon. Which which side are you on, Steve? I don't think it means it's time to get out of lockdown yet, just because we're on the downslope of the curve. But the good news is that downslope is so steep. And if we are there in a few weeks, then it's time. I mean, it would, it would absolutely break my heart if we go slightly too early and then ruin the uh, the goal that we're so close to. So I, I don't know where that puts me in the two options you gave me. Somewhere in the middle, hopefully the most <laughs> hopeful spot. I find funny feeling an awful lot of us out there. I wonder where my next guest is there, though. Health Minister, Dorian MP, Edward Argar joins us now. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Criticism from Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, today in an interview accusing the Prime Minister of winging it, saying we've got an exit without a strategy and calling on the government to restore public confidence. Um, he's got a fair point, hasn't he? We have got an exit without a strategy. Well, it won't surprise you for me to say that, no, I don't think he has got a point on this, Julia. Um, I think what we have done throughout this is we've had a clear strategy of controlling the disease, getting that death rate down, getting the infection levels down, and we're doing that. We're seeing sustained reduction in those, and that is really, really positive progress. Now, I know that there are people who will be listening to your show who will want us to go a lot faster in getting life back to normal. There will be people who will be saying they want us to go a lot slower. So what the Prime Minister has done is weighed up that scientific evidence and in small, baby cautious steps um, is easing it, but in a way that we believe will not um, risk an immediate sort of second peak or an upsurge again. You've had me on your show a number of times and I I suspect I'm sometimes disappointing or frustratingly cautious in my answers to you on this stuff. But I think it is really important that we are cautious and we don't put at risk 
what we've achieved here as a country. Well, again, I don't think anyone, I mean, anyone who's been supporting the lockdown, the people who opposed it all along, but people who've been supporting the lockdown understand we need to be cautious. However, the Prime Minister was very clear. He said that, you know, we were at level four, we'd been at level five in the peak, we were at level four, and we would not be easing the lockdown until we were at level three. It was all about being cautious. Well, it's been confirmed that the Chief Medical Officer, Chris Whitty, a man who has incredible public trust right now, has confirmed that he did not want the COVID alert level to come down from four to three. It's still at four, and yet we are seeing people being allowed to meet up with friends. Uh, people are, 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 you know, going back to work children going back to school uh, people are going to you know very soon be allowed to travel uh, more um, uh, why are we easing out of lockdown if we are not at level three and why are we not at level three well firstly you're right to highlight um chris Whitty's um, amazing work i've had the privilege of working with him here in recent months and he is a truly exceptional man and it is right that he and the chief scientific advisor patrick valance advise on the science. Okay. With, with all due right, respect, Edward right, Argo, I've only got five minutes with you. We okay. all agree. We all agree. Valence and Whittier, great. Why are, why, why are we yeah. coming out of lockdown when we're not at the level which the government himself said would be the level we'd have to be at to come out of lockdown? We are coming down uh, in terms of the level is reducing, but you're right. It will be the chief scientific advisor, chief medical officer who say when it goes from four to three and hopefully continues to decline. But decisions on individual steps and individual measures to restrictions or slightly change restrictions in very baby steps will be made by the Prime Minister and Ministers based upon scientific advice from those people and others on the basis of each individual intervention and whether that is still the right thing to do in the context of where that alert level is. And, and these measures have all been taken on the basis of very careful consideration, including the input of significant scientific advice on whether, despite where that level, alert level is, whether these are the right things to do. OK. Um, has there really been a significant uh, thought gone into the quarantine process? Home Secretary Priti Patel is going to defend the quarantine plan as of Monday, 14 days quarantine for anyone travelling into this country, including Brits who are travelling home from abroad. You know, there's, you know, in the Cabinet there's massive uh, disagreement about this. Certainly the travel industry is up in arms about this. Um, why are we relying on a blunt instrument, as many are calling it, of quarantining people, preventing many people from going on a holiday, flying off into places which are much safer than the UK, you know, Portugal and Greece, for instance, uh, the, in terms of catching the virus, when we could be using test and trace to specifically target people who are a risk to other people? Has that really been a thought through policy? Yeah, I mean, test and trace, you're absolutely right, is a key part of this policy. And what you've seen is the outline of the proposals around quarantine. You'll get more detail around that, around the nuances of it and how it will actually work from the Home Secretary and the Transport Secretary later today. But what it does is at the border, it, it allows us to control people coming back to this country and then use test and trace to uh, monitor any risk of infection to reduce the risk of a second spike. But I entirely understand families and individuals after having made huge sacrifices, will be desperately looking forward to the day they can have a holiday. And the travel industry, of course, is, I know, feeling particularly hard um, the impact of the restrictions that are in place and what, um, and what is happening to their industry. So I think uh, alongside the quarantine proposal you'll hear in that day, I know that the Home Secretary and Transport Secretary are working very closely with other countries and looking at very carefully the idea which some have noted of air bridges, which is where you have an agreement with other countries that if their infection levels and yours are mutually uh, agreed to be low and controlled and you have systems in place to do that, you can then have a, uh, a much smoother transition between those countries. Yeah, but, but I don't we, want to preempt we... the Home Secretary. 
Well, exactly. We are, we are heading very closely towards summer holidays. People want to book their holidays. There's lots of concern, though, isn't there, that actually we, we are not on top of the testing and tracing. Uh, in reality, this 200,000 capacity is, is a lot of it's double counting. It's tests that are sent out but not done yet. In reality, we're looking at only 40,000 people being tested today. Even the statistics watchdog chief, Sir David Norgrove, has criticised your boss, Matthew Hancock, over what he called inadequate and misleading figures being given out. This is about public trust, isn't it? This is about people understanding that these are difficult projects and often there are going to be mistakes but this is about the government being honest with the people and saying where you've got it right and where you've got it wrong but not misleading us isn't that a risk well, there's two things there julia firstly in terms of number of tests yesterday 135,643 um 200,000 capacity you're right how many how many people how many of those were, no 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 don't tell me how many tests how many people yeah. often you do a double swab on the same person that's most people would consider that one test so in, how many of those were double swabs on the same person in some cases you do tests and then a few days later because of problems with the test or because it hasn't shown up result you may have to do another test you may have to do multiple tests on someone who may have and those are all counted as individual tests aren't it. they we are counting yeah we are counting tests not so only 40,000, so that figure, only 40,000, capacity of 200,000, but actually only 40,000 people were tested. Look, even people with the best will in the world who want to back the government are concerned that this, is, this, this test and trace system was supposed to be up and running when we sent our kids back to school, when we went left the lockdown, and it's not working properly yet. Well, let me, let me go to the point on trust, which I think was the crux of your mm. question just now. Um, Julia, you're absolutely right. People want to know what's happening, understandably. And I think that in my experience in politics, British people are very fair. If you are honest with them about, you know what, this is complicated, it may um, need tweaks, it may need to be adapted. The British people understand and respect that. So in terms of Sir David Norgrove's um, uh, letter and uh, his comments on the statistics, what we've tried to do, quite rightly pressured by media and the public, and it's the right thing to do, is get as much data out there as we could do and try to be as transparent as we can. What we... And doing that, we don't have the ability to do what with normal statistics, um, which are months in their inception, their checking, their verification, and then pre their publication, or all of that polishing being done to them to make sure they are absolutely verified. We've just tried to get the data out, but we're working with Sir David and his team in real time to try and uh, further, uh, further enhance that data in a way that he says is rigorous and uh, meets Give, his giving we accurate data. All we, all we want to know is accurate data. Just finally, I know we've not got much time, that report that was commissioned by the Government of Public Health England on black and ethnic minority people dying at a greater rate from re- coronavirus. What's the point of commissioning a report which doesn't give us any solutions, doesn't tell us what to do, and doesn't even in that report take into account major factors which could be affecting why certain people are dying in terms of occupation, comorbidities and obesity? What was the point of that report? That report was a, is very striking in what it says. Firstly, it says that um, age and gender are the biggest factors in terms of increased risk. But then it does talk about ethnicity. We've done that report at pace six weeks um, from my boss, the health secretary, saying he wanted to commission that to it being produced. That's a very rapid time for a piece of research like that. But there is, of course, as you say, more to do. It doesn't go into detail on other factors which may be at work, be it obesity, comorbidities, occupations. And that's why he's asked the Equalities Minister, uh, Kemi Badenoch, to take that work forward. In terms of recommendations and so on, I, I draw a comparison, perhaps, and it was mentioned by him yesterday. David Lammy talked about his work on the Lammy Review 
into race inequality in the criminal justice system. And he talked about the recommendations he got agreed. That, I think, was 18 months from when it was commissioned to when it was published by the government. This is six weeks. A report of this sort would normally take six months. We've done it quickly. There is more to do. But we've done it quickly because it is important we get this information out there and we are and we actively engage in this debate with experts and others about the factors that may increase risk. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Rachel Reeves joins us now, Labour MP, of course, and Labour's Shadow Cabinet Office Minister, as I say, shadowing uh, Michael Gove. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we're just talking about this uh, interview your boss, Sir Keir Starmer, has given today to The Guardian, accusing the Prime Minister of winging it. Uh, he's accused him of having an exit without a strategy and saying he needs to restore public confidence. Why does he say all of that? Well, if you look at what's happened over the last um, 10 days with um, very confusing public messages, uh, treating the British people like fools uh, in uh, 
uh, in defending Dominic Cummings um, by ignoring their own scientists and by publishing what the Independent Statistics Authority call um, misleading statistics around uh, the testing numbers. And so we're urging the government to, to get a grip, to put in place a strategy. It's all, it's all well and good trying to exit from lockdown. But if you don't have any strategy of how to do that in a, in a safe way, uh, there are risks that it will end in failure and the government needs to take responsibility for that. I mean, obviously, there is a, a lot of concern at the moment of the easing of lockdown. The lockdown's actually been surprisingly popular. An awful lot of people saying they don't want to leave their homes, particularly people who you know, are still being paid if they're on furlough or, or not. But there is that concern, isn't it, that there is a very political decision that needs to be taken now by the government. And we're not no longer able to follow what people call the science because this is, there is about a political, um, I suppose, balancing act between getting the economy back and uh, and the risk of the pandemic uh, reaching a second uh, a second uh, a wave. Um, what would Labour be doing right now? If you were in government along with uh, Keir Starmer, what would be your policy with what you know so far? Well, I think you're absolutely right to say that these are difficult decisions, difficult decisions for whoever is in government. In terms of things that, in terms of things that we would be doing um, differently, uh, even at this stage, the government could be doing some things to uh, to make this exit uh, work more effectively. So, for example, we've called for a 24-hour uh, test guarantee that if you um, have symptoms of the virus, you should be tested within 24 hours, and then you should get the results of those tests within 24 hours. Uh, hours. Uh, that would help ensure that people who do have the virus um, um, are isolated quickly and that quickly and that people who they've come into contact with can be informed of that and also take those appropriate uh, measures. The government said, and you would have heard this lots and lots of times, that they would have a world-beating test, trace and isolate strategy in place by the end of May. We've barely got an effective test, trace and isolate strategy, let alone a world-beating one. And the government need to make that work better. And that means, for example, ensuring that any data on, on, testing and tra- on testing and tracing is shared at a local level with councils and the local directors of public health so that local communities can understand the spread of the virus in their community and put in place uh, appropriate responses to that. And this app that the government lauded for many weeks said they were trialling on the Isle of Wight. Um, we've heard very little from government about that, but there are many reports that suggesting that isn't going well, that it isn't working. And we've been saying for quite some time that other countries are using a different, are using a different uh, uh, app that stores data locally rather than having this national oversight. And the government should look at putting that in place and do that quickly, because that can help again, ensure that if you come into contact with somebody who has the virus, that you can be quickly alerted to that and again, take the appropriate action. I have to say, I can't imagine there is anybody right now who's disagreeing. However they voted, whatever they think of the Tories or Labour right now, who would agree that that is something that should be in place and something I've raised with the government representatives again and again and again. It's what we were promised. Uh, some concern about that. But can I ask you, would you, if you were in government right now, would you be backing coming out of lockdown at all at the current time? We were allowed to meet with up to six people of, of, out, you know, outside our own household, uh, people meeting in their own gardens and the like. The Chief Medical Officer, Chris Whitty, it's now being confirmed by the government, would not allow the COVID alert level to come down from four to three, despite the fact that government is now easing the lockdown. And the Prime Minister said all along that we would only ease the lockdown when we went down to level three. We're not at that level. We're somewhere between level four and level three, but not at level three. Would you, if you were in government, would you be easing the lockdown at all right now? 
Well, we do have concerns about the speed at which the government are going. But in some ways, you know, the genie is out of the bottle now. The government have done these things. We want to be constructive and say, well, you've done these things. Now you've got to make sure that they work. And and that's why we're saying that some of these common sense uh, uh, measures need to be put in place to make sure this this works. We've been saying, and Keir's been saying since he became leader of the Labour Party, we need an exit strategy. And that's about more than just announcing what is going to reopen and when. It's about putting in place those measures to make it work. But all of us would like to get back to some degree of, of normality. Um, you know, I haven't been able to give my mama a hug for the last 10 weeks. I would desperately like to be able to do that. I know I can't yet, but we all want to get back to some degree of normality. Of normality. But that means putting in place the measures that are needed to make this work. And just some of those common sense things that aren't beyond the wits of, uh, of government to achieve, they need to be the priorities of the government right now to ensure that we don't see an increase in that R number, that we okay. don't end up having to have local lockdowns because this has got out of control again. But but the trouble is, every time the government does announce part of the exit strategy and say things like you know getting kids back to school, starting you know, three years back at primary school on Monday and others, we see criticism of every aspect of that. So a lot of people will say, well, hold on a minute, you know, you, you, you want us to start easing the lockdown, you want a strategy, but anything that is actually done just gets criticised anyway. I mean, we've seen, what was it, almost 20 local councils, uh, I think all but two of them are Labour councils, saying that they were telling, telling local schools, you must not return. But we, we can't have anyone exiting lockdown if people can't get back to work because their children are, are still at home. Um, do you or do you not now support children going back to school? Well, Kia wrote to Boris Johnson two weeks ago, a private letter um, saying, we want to work with you on reopening of schools because we want children to be able, more children to be able to go back uh, into schools and let's work together to make sure this works. The Prime Minister didn't even reply to that letter and Kira said that in his interview today. Um, And so we're trying to work with the government to make these things work, but the government don't seem to to want to behave in that collaborative way, in that collaborative way. I think that's a real mistake because it's in the national interest that we succeed in defeating this virus. And that's why, as an opposition party, we want to work with the government to make this work. But that doesn't seem to be the government approach at the okay, moment. Let's, let's talk they about need the to do more to work with councils, to work with schools, to make these things work. Well, again, I mean, teaching unions just refused to even engage at one point. Um, Home Secretary Priti Patel is going to defend having this 14-day quarantine plan, people arriving in the country, people returning from holiday to this country. Do you, Does Labour support that 14-day quarantine? Well, we do support um, a quarantine uh, approach. And again, it's one of the things that we've been calling on for, for some time. It would have been really good to have this in place um, back in March so that people returning, for example, from northern Italy, where the virus was already prevalent, were quarantined at that stage. And that could have um, reduced the, um, the, the, the speed at which and helped us, control, helped us control the coronavirus in its early stages. The government didn't do that. That was a missed um, opportunity. We welcome it now, but it is a little bit like doing it after the horse has bolted um, because um, you know other countries are starting to lift their, um, their, 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 their rules around uh, quarantine. We're only just bringing ours in. So this is something the government has come to too late. We welcome the fact that they are starting to do it now. Um, but the real and the best real and the best time to have had this in place was back in March.
Even if this sees the travel industry basically completely collapse, they're warning of 60% of jobs going for good, uh, or for certainly for many years to come. Uh, even, and even if many scientists say it won't actually make much difference, we could much more easily say, for instance, have uh, antibody testing or, 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 or antigen testing at the airports rather and temperature testing rather than a quarantine. You'd still support the quarantine. Well, I, I think the, the biggest risk to um to the to the travel to the to the travel industry and to the economy um more widely is to have a second spike in this um in this virus and that's why it's important that we do go um at a slow um pace at a gradual pace to ensure that we get this um right that is absolutely uh, crucial because if we have a second uh, um spike in the virus that will cause untold damage to all parts of, of the economy and and society online on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right now, let's uh, talk about uh, that uh, report that was issued by Public Health England yesterday. Um, it had been delayed, it was supposed to be last week, into coronavirus and the risk of dying for ethnic minorities. Big concerns, especially when uh, the vast majority of doctors working in the NHS who died uh, in the early weeks of the virus were all from ethnic minorities. You couldn't help but notice the stark, uh, the starkness of the photographs of those uh, doctors. And we know that there is, a, there is a higher rate of death for ethnic minorities once they have coronavirus and are in hospital. But this report was commissioned to find out why and indeed to uh, to look at uh, ways of resolving this and perhaps uh, making uh, rec- making people safer uh, as it was the, the after an outcry the uh, report was published yesterday and yes it did find uh, that ethnic minorities do face a higher risk of dying from coronavirus very different for different ethnic groups but also pointed out that men have a much higher risk being older is the biggest key risk and also being obese but let's talk about all of this now with Dr Nigat Arif who's a GP in Buckinghamshire and joins us now good morning to you Good morning, Julia. How are you? Uh, very well, indeed. Um, uh, this report, I mean, it is it is very interesting and it is also very, very concerning if any particular group is uh, is higher at risk of dying and whether or not we need to take action. For instance, let's talk about taking uh, black and ethnic minority people away from the front line in the NHS yeah. as a result. But um, really interestingly, this, I mean, this pointed out, you know, there were higher risks for certain ethnic groups, but again, for men being older, being obese, people who live in cities, people who, who come from deprived backgrounds. But for some reason, the study took no account whatsoever and it stated that it did not take account for occupation comorbidity Mm. so other reasons why you might be in hospital anyway or obesity surely those are three of the major factors that would affect why someone would be dying of uh, of a of of a coronavirus and could possibly explain a large amount of that extra risk for ethnic minorities do you think this report is worth the paper it's printed on um, frankly, I'm disappointed because this is actually not given us anything new. You've actually listed all the things um, that this report has said. But we knew about this. We knew about this back in uh, January when the Marmot report came out that showed that there were huge health inequalities. People who lived in well-off areas were going to have far better health and quality of life than people who didn't. In fact, there's a 12-year disparity between the north and south. So if you lived in a deprived area, you were going to probably die 12 years earlier than your richer, more wealthier, well-off counterpart. And that was something that we knew about. We knew that there were health inequalities within black, Asian, ethnic minorities. We knew that overcrowding was an issue. In 2011, when the consensus came out, showed that 14% of um, sorry, 11% of the population are from black, Asian, ethnic minorities. But we make up about 21% uh, of the care sector. So they are the face-to-face uh, 
uh, jobs where the taxi drivers, the nurses, the doctors, the shopkeepers, um, every sort of key workers which the government deemed was unskilled not too long ago, we are the uh, communities that are filling those roles. And yet this report just doesn't, like you say, make any comment on jobs, economic factors, because there are huge factors in regards to our health and our ability to access health. Yeah, I mean, this is it. We, we've known about the huge health inequalities, and these are largely down to different lifestyles, different, uh, you know, the higher rates of, I mean, of smoking, higher rates of obesity, higher rates of, uh, of, of, of alcohol and drug consumption, um, and, and yeah, again, and poorer, poorer quality diet among people in poorer communities. A lot of the ethnic minorities living in Britain are... Uh, for good or for ill, for simple socio-economic reasons, uh, for living in, in, in poorer areas in cities are likely to be on lower incomes and therefore will be, uh, will be, will be already um, living with those health inequalities. But we also know, for instance, um, given that deprived pe- people in deprived areas and people living in cities are higher at risk of dying of, uh, of, of coronavirus, possibly simply because actually they're more likely to come into proximity with the people with the virus. But we also know when you look at occupations, for instance, in London, you know, a, a huge number of ethnic minorities work in public transport. We know that drivers, we know that cab drivers, we know that bus drivers are a high risk of the, the virus. But we also know things like um, you know, diabetic rates uh, related to obesity, twice as high in some ethnicities as others. Um, all of this suggests that this is nothing to do with, I mean, there may be a factor, a small factor, but, but most of the differential between different races dying of this virus have very little or nothing to do with um, the colour of someone's skin or, or racism of any sort in their treatment or anything like that, that that has been claimed, but actually just down to the different lives that different groups of people live in this country. Oh, I, I'd love to say that there's no discrimination, but you've got to look at the fact that why are those groups staying where they are? Why are there more overcrowding in Bangladeshi, 30% more compared to their 2% counterpart, which is their white counterpart? Why is there that more you, key work sort of, sort of uh, facing works. Uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> so why is it that uh, um, that more uh, face-to-face roles are within those communities? Why is it that they're living in urban areas? Why is it there's more drug and alcohol issues within those Black, Asian, ethnic minority communities? You've got to be able to look at that. And that starts with education right at the bottom and then all the way up to the top. In fact, when you look, ITV did a fantastic review. They found that 50% of doctors blame systemic discrimination within their work sector. One in five personally said they experienced racism. This is something that we are aware of and yeah. something that needs to be rooted out and not something that can be brushed under the carpet at this point. I think this is definitely, yeah. the, as, as Matt Hancock was saying, the fires that he didn't want to stoke the, fire, uh, stoke the fires. Well, the fires have stoked. You have to look at this. You can't deny this and brush this under the carpet. Well, again, it's not, it's not necessarily brushing under the carpet, but, it, but it's yeah. about having a conversation about the facts. Exactly. And, and nobody, everyone's saying these are the facts, but what are we going to do about it? What, what are we going to do about it? We know this is nothing new, Julia. We've known about but, this. But, uh, no, no, but, we, no, but hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Uh, we, we, there is no, no, look, I completely understand. It's much easier to make the right choices, for instance, on your diet and, and to have greater opportunities to go to a good school if you live in a nice area and come from middle class. I, I'm not under any illusion that that's not the case. However, I can't see what, what extra difference there is for a black or Asian person in this country as opposed to a white person in this country on a council estate, unemployed, 
um, making the right choice. It's just as hard for someone who is white to make those right those right choices and 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 to and to overcome those health inequalities as it is for black racial. In which case, why why are we focusing on on ethnic minorities as opposed to it's just deprivation? It's just low education levels. It's just you know, it's just those issues and and lack of opportunity. That is across the board. It's not necessarily all related to colour. You are absolutely right on that, and I agree with that. But if you look at why we are focusing on black Asian ethnic minorities, because they are disproportionately affected by the virus. All the virus has done is put a mirror up to our society and say, look, look at the health inequalities. Because do you know what? Being from an ethnic minority community, it's a public health issue. This is a public health crisis. We need to be dealing with these discriminatory factors. We need to be looking at the complex socioeconomic and inequalities because this is what's happened. This is what's showing us that more of black, Asian, ethnic minority communities are dying. That's why it's so important. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.